good to, to see you. This is gonna. This is really strange. Uh, I haven't had one Sunday where I've done just one message in a in a while. So this is going to be kind of strange. So a uh, couple of hours from now, I will have all my words out. Uh, so y'all hang in with me. Uh, but uh, for you that didn't know, we didn't have our 8.30 service today. I hope and pray you had a great Christmas. It's hard to believe that it's come and happened. I know some of you still have family time uh, yet to be had, but uh, it, we start actually thinking about Christmas early fall, late summer. We start thinking about and praying about what... God, what do you have for us? And uh, part of that, as we got together and talked, was going to John's Gospel, John chapter 1. And so if you want to go there, you can go there. John chapter 1. And we decided to look at the uh, birth account, uh, the coming of Jesus, so to say, from John's perspective. And uh, you may remember that when we first opened this up, John chapter 1, we talked about that Jesus has always been. He didn't begin in Bethlehem. He's always been. He also is the master architect. The Father, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are all one. Uh, we talked about that and how that Jesus was the architect, master architect of all creation. And then we talked about we cannot know God unless He reveals Himself to us. You know, we start talking about God and we look at nature and we can, we can say, I think there's a, I think there's a God out there and we can look at those things and say it's oh, so intricate. There must be a master designer, but we're so grateful that God revealed Himself to us eventually in the, His Son, Jesus Christ. And we can know Him. And we have beheld Him according to the Scriptures, as John said, and He has made Him known. So we can know God, what God is like, His character, everything about Him as He revealed Himself in Jesus Christ. And Jesus became sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Were we worthy of it? Absolutely not. He did it strictly because He loves His creation. And He came and, and became sin. He redeemed us. And we talked about that. But what is our response? What is our response to the God of all creation that has revealed Himself in Jesus Christ? We celebrate Christmas not just to give and receive gifts, not just so that we can uh, dress up, not just so we can sing carols. We experience Christmas as we re realize and understand that God revealed Himself in Jesus. But how do you respond? And so we're going to look at this a little bit deeper in John chapter 1. So I want you to look at verse 35, and, and we're going to go through to verse 42. John chapter 1 we would uh, we could spend six months just on John chapter one. We haven't even scratched a lot of things in there, but today I wanted to go to John chapter one, verse thirty-five through forty-two. Also, for you that uh, uh, have some European in you, uh, Happy Boxing Day! 
And, uh, you know, I used to hear that as an American, and I'm thinking, man, I guess we can celebrate boxing. I I don't know. Yes, Linda. Uh, Boxing Day is really big in the U.K. It's a bank holiday, and uh, so it's celebrating. Some of you may want to know what Boxing Day is. Because servants used to have to wait on the families that they served, during, during, especially in the UK, during the Christmas day that they didn't have an opportunity to celebrate Christmas because they were working on that day. So the day after Christmas, uh, people would box up things to give to their servants so that they would have gifts and food of their own to celebrate on Boxing Day. And uh, it's turned into a day to celebrate in that we give alms to those who are less fortunate and, and uh, need, a, need a helping hand. So there we go on uh, Boxing Day. It's celebrated a little bit different now, but that's what its origin was. So John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. Now this is not John the Apostle. This is John the Baptist. It, this isn't the John who wrote this uh, book that we're reading. This was John the Baptist. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour, four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. You'll notice in the Scriptures that there were some parentheses with certain things. Uh, Messiah, which means the Christ. The reason that John, he probably didn't have parentheses, The reason he defined certain terms is that his readers were Romans or or, or Greeks and not Jewish people. The Jews would know what Messiah was. They would know what rabbi meant. But he's writing to a group of people that do not know these terms, so that's uh, that's why he does what he does. Remember we talked about four different camera angles, and uh, this is John's right here. I want to talk about the characters in this in this story right quick. First of all, there's John the Baptist. John the Baptist, as you may recall in, in Luke's Gospel, he was the cousin of Jesus. He was born to John and Elizabeth, and he came forth uh, months before Jesus. He was born, Elizabeth was expecting John when Mary became pregnant, and this is John the Baptist. So he was a cousin of Jesus. He was set apart from his parents at birth. They raised him in such a way to be used of God. 
He would have taken a Nazarite vow. He was probably from the Jewish sect. We know about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, if you know anything or read in the Scripture. He was probably from the sect known as the Essenes. The Essenes were very rustic. They uh, lived in the desert area. You can still go to where the Essenes would be. They were known for their baptismal pool every morning. They would have a baptism ritual, and every evening they would do the same. Thus, baptism became a, a part of John the Baptist's uh, ministry. And the Essenes, this is what they would do. They would take the Scriptures, and they were known to write the Scriptures out by hand, and they had to be exact. I mean, they were the Xerox copiers of the day. They had to write it out so that you had the exact same word in the middle, you had the exact exact same words on each margin, and they, they were the same length. They were that uh, astute in just writing out the Scriptures. And, and most of us believe that John was part of that sect because when he started his ministry of crying out, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, and he baptized people, he baptized in an area of the Jordan that would have been down in the desert area and not up in the Galilee region. So for you that have been in Israel, this kind of helps uh, a little bit. His role was to prepare the way for Jesus' coming. That's what John the Baptist's role was. And he was willing to lose disciples so that they would follow Jesus. Now I have a statement I want to put on the, on the board but it's, it's this. The hardest instrument to play is second violin. You see, John had been the man. Everybody is coming to him. But the hardest instrument to play is second violin. Because that means there's a first violin. And they, he guys gets maybe all of the solos. He gets the special attention. Oh, he's first here. Some of you have been banned. And you know you've worked your way up. But let me tell you, it's not just a hard thing to play a second violin. It's hard to play second violin when you used to play first violin. And so some of you know what that's like in life. You were the cream of all cream. Maybe you were the firstborn child and the, and the, the one that was set up to be the golden boy or the golden girl. And all of a sudden there comes these siblings along. And uh, they kind of take attention away from you. Or some of you may have played sports before. And you watch the, the NFL right now. Uh, you have a guy that's starting at quarterback one week. And he's played a couple of games. And then all of a sudden, they replace him with an up-and-comer. Or they replace him with somebody else. And the first teamer is now relegated to the second team. Now, the reason I want this to make sense is because John the Baptist was willing to decrease so that the Son of God, Jesus, could increase. And he was willing to let his disciples, his followers, leave him. I mean, they hung on every word. They would be there standing around him as he sat and talked. And, and he was willing to say, listen, that's the Lamb of God. That's the one who is going to take away the sins of the world. You go and follow Him. I, I, I think about this. I think about when I was young in the ministry. Uh, 
and, and somebody would come to Central and they would be serving at Central and they would be heavily involved at Central and then all of a sudden they felt led to go to another congregation. And I'm thinking, listen, why, why would you do that? Why, why can you do that? How can you do that? Well, I've learned that since then that God has certain seasons for people. I think the way you leave is in, extremely important. But I, sometimes he has people for a season. But that used to bother me. I'm thinking, I used to be your first pastor. Now I'm second pastor. You know, I, I, I don't know how I can handle that. But John the Baptist was willing to exalt Jesus. Listen, we are here to exalt Jesus. I, I, I know we struggle with that. But for this reason, he created us so that he can be brought much glory. And and uh, playing second uh, second violin is not easy. But John saw the big picture. That's that's the deal. We are so nearsighted. He saw the big picture. He knew that this was the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He was the per- perfect Passover Lamb, and he was to John was to prepare the way and then fade away. That's what he was to do. And it didn't bother him. Then he had two disciples. We know one of them is mentioned by the name of Andrew. Most scholars believe the other one was John because John, who wrote this book, was hesitant to use his name at times. He would say the beloved disciple. He would say the other disciple. But most agree this was Andrew and John. They had become followers of John the Baptist. Uh, they had become, they had attached to himself, him as their teacher. And we know that John had a brother James, and we know that Andrew had a brother Simon Peter. And so they, they, this was the first team as far as we know of Jesus. But yet John, John said, listen, there's the Lamb of God. And so John and Andrew get up from following Jesus, uh, John the Baptist, and they start following Jesus. We'll go into more detail in just a moment. But then you have Jesus. Jesus, John says, Behold the Lamb of God. Now why is that a big deal? It's because if you know anything about the Jewish history, the most important thing that ever happened to them was God delivering them out of Egypt, and they had something called the Passover. It's when the blood was applied to the doorpost and the death angel came and he passed over the Jewish people. And then they left Egypt. So the Passover became a huge thing for them. Every year they would celebrate the Passover. They would have the sacrificial lambs for that year's sin. But here comes the perfect Lamb of God who once and for all was going to make the sacrifice that they would never have to make this sacrifice again. He came to do it for all men. So here's the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus' earthly ministry was now starting. Oh, he's 30 years old. He had uh, probably stepped into his dad's business as a, as a carpenter or a stonemason, and he had stepped into that. And now at the age of 30, he is going to become, and it's interesting that a person can become a high priest at the age of 30. 
So Jesus steps into these public ministry all of a sudden here, and these are going to be his two first followers. But it, isn't it interesting that they 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 are following after Jesus? Let's say it's John and Andrew. How close they were, I do not know. Uh, I just knew that Jesus was walking by, and John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. These two get up, and they start following Jesus. How close they were, I really don't know. But this is what I love, is that Jesus turns around, and he looks at them. Now, he's not just looking to see with his eyes. He's looking beyond the outer facade. I think he's looking into their very soul. And he turns, and he looks at them. This is what I love, because this means so much to me, is that Jesus opens the door for all to come to him. And, and here's, here's where I want you to grab that. They, were, they thought that they were following Jesus, but it's interesting that Jesus turned around and he made himself accessible. See, I love this, that we do not have a God that plays hide-and-seek with us. He's waiting for us to take the step, but He makes Himself so accessible. We're calling this series the gift of grace. To me, that's the ultimate grace. is that God so loved us that Jesus is willing to welcome all men. And so He turns and uh, He asks this question. Alright? I love this question, but let's look at it. This is the penetrating question of life. He said this, What are you Seeking. Now, he didn't say, who are you seeking? He says, what are you seeking? Not whom, but what. What is your wish? What do you hope to accomplish by leaving JB and following after me? What, what do you hope to accomplish? Are you looking uh, for an earthly king? And are you looking for... Uh, wealth? Are you looking for prestige? Are you uh, looking for any number of things? Are you looking for wealth? I mean, really, what are you seeking? you got to be seeking something. Are you looking for an easy life path? Are you looking for ease and comfort? Are you looking for a religious system? Are you looking for security? What are you seeking? I think that's interesting. We've already talked about Jesus has always been. He's the architect of all creation. He's the Lord of all. He's the King of kings. And you have the opportunity. He says, what do you wish? You know, we like to think of genies in the bottle and they, they pop out and give us three wishes and they say, what do you wish? And, and that's kind of the deal here. Is Jesus, the King of the universe, created everything, turns to these two guys and says, what is it you're really seeking? I think if Jesus were to walk into this room, that would be weird. But if He were to walk into this room and look into your soul and to ask you, really, what are you seeking in life? What are you really seeking? Um, I think that... Uh, we could know what we're seeking a lot of times by the way we spend our money. 
our uh, calendars, our Google searches. These would really tell us what we're seeking. And Jesus wanted to make sure these guys' hearts were pure. And so He says, what are you seeking? And then they gave the answer. This is seems like a they're answering a question with a question. Where are you staying? Now there's so much more to that than just what where are you sleeping tonight? Where are you lodging? They were actually saying this we want to be where you are. We need time with you. We know you are the answer to life, so we have to be with you. So in other words, Jesus turns, get this in your head, what are you guys really seeking after? And their response back is, we just want to be where you are. I love that answer. I love that answer because life is fleeting. Life is unpredictable. Some of you have had things happen in 2021 that have set you uh, turned your life upside down. Things have happened that weren't on your calendar, weren't in your bank book, weren't there, and they've kind of flipped your life upside down. And it's made you question a lot of things. And the Lord may be saying to you today, what are you really seeking in life? And could we say, Lord, we just want to be where you are. Just want to be where you are. How often do we know that Jesus holds the answer, but we aren't willing to go where He's he's at? We want to do our own thing. I think, I think, and this is one of my prayers for 2022, it's been my prayer my whole ministry life, is Lord, maybe this year is the year that not necessarily to crack the skies and return, that would be okay but to pour yourself out because our nation desperately needs you right now. We just need you, Lord. We just need you. We want to be where you are. Now look at Jesus' response. This is what He said. He said, come and see. Come and see. You come and see where I'm staying. You come and see where I'm going to be. And so they went. And what I think is really interesting is that they stayed with Jesus all day long. And four o'clock rolls around. And four o'clock rolls around and they decide, man, let's just stay here. This is what I think. Okay? Some things, uh, you know, you get a lot of things out of a commentary. Sometimes you just got to put yourself in the story. I think... The reason John put it so specific that it was the 10th hour is because at that 10th hour, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, his life was forever changed. And he wanted to remember that 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I met Jesus and my life radically changed. It was that big of a life change in John that he wanted to record 
the hour, the tenth hour, four o'clock in the afternoon. My life changed. Have you had a four o'clock in the afternoon? Have you had a tenth hour? Have you had that time in your life when you can put the, the stake in the ground and said, my life was radically transformed at this time? Because I chose to come and see. Come and see. It's interesting that the rest of the story after they came and saw there's two responses that come when we come and see. Two responses we see in the story. The first response is they came and they saw and they stayed. They came and they saw and they stayed. That's, uh, that's pretty big deal. They came and they saw and they stayed. Many people would say the Christian faith is pilgrims following their Savior to the New Jerusalem. To become a follower of Jesus Christ, I, I know that we try to turn it into a hocus-pocus thing sometimes, and, and, and sometimes we've done a bad job of evangelism. We, we say things like, ask Jesus into your heart, um, you know, what, you know, confess your sins and believe. And those things are true. Uh, listen, I'm not taken away from those. But listen, if we do not get to the point of saying, you've got to repent and then you need to follow Jesus, we've done a bad job. There needs to be a repenting. There needs to be those two disciples that decide to leave John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not their Savior. They needed to leave John the Baptist and they needed to follow Jesus. There needs to be a turning, a repenting of our sins and a following of Jesus Christ. Listen, if your life is not reflecting in this dark day that you're following Jesus, we, we have a concern there. I think sometimes we as followers of Jesus need to ask the world to forgive us because we have not given a good picture. So the first thing that happens, when the first response out of coming and seeing is to stay with Jesus and to follow Him. But this, there's a second response, and the second response is this, is that we go and find others. Andrew went and got his brother, and he, we, we get someone else to share the experience with. Andrew, Andrew could have stayed, and he did stay. He came back and he stayed. But one of the things that was on his heart was, i got to go get my brother. I gotta go get Simon Peter. I, I need to go get him. I need to go get Cephas because Jesus is gonna change his name to Rocky Johnson. He's gonna change his name. And he, he goes and he gets Cephas, his brother, and he brings him to Jesus. 
And Jesus looks right bef- behind that type A grizzly guy and He looks right to His heart and He says, Your name is Cephas. That was the name you were given at birth. Little Rock. Listen, I'm going to call you Petros. I'm going to call you Rocky. He was Rocky and he was John's son. So I figure he's Rocky Johnson. That's That, that sounds like a boxer right there anyway. So... He went, Andrew went and got his brother. So listen, where I'm going on this is that Jesus is asking us, what do you see? And if we're truly seeking Him, we come and see. And in that coming and seeing, there's going to be two responses. One, we desire to stay at the feet of Jesus, which we're called to do. You're called to walk a life close to Him. But secondly, you go and find your brother and bring him as well. We're, we're conduits. You know what a conduit is? A conduit is something. Your hose, your garden hose is a conduit. It, it, the garden hose is simply there to let the water run through it to get to your grass or washing your car or whatever you're going to do. You and I are but conduits. The Lord flows through us to reach a lost world. So how do we respond this Christmas season? Number one, God has ultimately revealed Himself to us in Jesus. Secondly, Jesus is asking us this season, what is it that you really see? And He's responding by saying, today, come and see. Come and see. You know, life is difficult sometimes, isn't it? I mean, I can speak from my vantage point. Sometimes it's just hard. It's not the way you drew it up. It's not the way you planned it out. It's not the... You guys know what I'm talking about. Especially when you get older, uh, you think, man, Lord, uh, it hurts sometimes. Life just hurts. And yet... We have a forgiving, graceful Father who comes and says, hey, draw near to me. That's what it's all about. Draw near to me. To me, the, the, the definition of a true disciple is one who wants to be close to Jesus. All the Bible reading, all the prayer, all the Scripture memory, all those things are but tools to bring you close to Jesus. Sir Christopher Wren, if you've ever been to the UK, uh, especially to London, after the London fire, uh, which was totally destructive, Christopher Wren was an architect who came to basically reconstruct all the major chapels and St. Paul's Cathedral and everything that's there. It's uh, gorgeous, the architecture. It's all... It's all interesting uh, the way it all looks pretty much the same, but Christopher Wren is the architect behind that. And as he was, as one of their cathedrals was being reconstructed, the story goes that the men were down chiseling the stones to put into the cathedral. And guy went up to the first guy and he said, What are you doing? And he 
wiped his brow and he kind of had a scowl on his face and he said, I'm cutting rock. So the questioner went over to the next guy and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing my job for Christopher Wren. And he went to the third guy. Granted, all three of the guys were doing the same thing. He went to the third guy and he says, what are you doing? He said, I'm building the cathedral to the glory of God. Listen, life does get tough. I don't know what 2022 has for you. And you can enter into it with an attitude of you're just cutting rock. Or you can enter into it, I'm just working for the man. Or you can enter into it saying, I'm building the cathedral to the glory of God. And that's what I pray for you in 2022.